Uh, we're in for a real treat tonight. I'm so grateful for our network of, of uh, pastors, network of related pastors. A lot of you have met, of course, Brother Rod, Pastor Keith Tusi, uh, Rick Paladin, uh, Michael Free. I'm thinking about how many people, Joe Warner. Uh, I've invited a lot of our friends here uh, over the years, um, and we have some new friends we want to introduce to you on an ongoing basis, but we have a new friend tonight. He's an old friend, but he's new to our Living Stones context here. Uh, Joe Kelly is an amazing man. He, number one, he loves his wife. That's, that's important. He loves his wife. He's got six amazing children that, that he's raised. Um, he likes to joke around in his spare time. He builds multi-million dollar homes in the Hamptons in New York. Um, he's an incredibly, I, I want to get the website. I'll, maybe we'll pop that up um, uh, tomorrow, but I'd love for you to be able just to go to the website because people that are anointed in whatever they do, it gives God glory and it's something that's beautiful to look at. Uh, and some of the homes that God's allowed him to build have been just remarkable and beautiful. Uh, so he's very skilled at that, but he's also, he's got a, he's got a history, an art history major. So that explains why he's so artsy and we, have, we share in common a love for things beautiful like flowers and landscaping and all of that. So Joe sends me pictures regularly of his yard and stuff like that. I'm just trying to tell you, you can't capture this guy in one template, all right? He blows whatever box you have. He has a massive heart for the nations of the world and for missions and, um, and has been involved in building uh, a hospital in India. And like I said, he's a local church pastor and he's raising up spiritual sons and daughters and every time I'm around him at any NRP event, he's got somebody from a foreign country following him around that he's a spiritual father to and that he's been a blessing to. And so um, I'm just so excited that, that Joe agreed to come, Pastor Joe agreed to come and be with us tonight. And I told him, man, just be yourself, have fun with our people because we're crazy and we love people. And, uh, and I know that he has uh, a word for us and I just told him, gave him total freedom just to run and be his awesome self. So can you do me a favor, hop to your feet, let's give Joe a warm welcome as he comes to minister to us. Pastor Joe. To God be the glory, amen. There is such a uh, wonderful, amazing uh, expectancy in this place. I mean, I, when I, it, it's, it's really infectious, you know. I just, I've been around a lot of places and ministered in a lot of places, but I can tell you, God is doing something in this house, amen. And, uh, you know, I, I know the legacy, a little bit of it, you know, of we're standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us, and, you know, and I want to honor them. I want to honor Ron, your mom there. You know, and uh, this is a blessing. Amen. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, it's just uh, it's a, it's this time of year where God you know, begins to speak into our lives. You know, and the worship songs that we were singing tonight are totally in alignment with the the message that God placed on my heart that God is able. And uh, I want to just. Um, just say something about living stones because, you know, I'm a sort of artsy guy and I picture things in, in that way. And uh, I'm also a builder and, you know, the most important part of a house is the foundation. Now, when, you know, I build these multi-million dollar houses, no one's ever coming to me and said, oh, could you show me the basement? 
<laughs> they want to see the master bedroom, they want to see the kitchen, you know, they don't want to see the basement, you know. But I can tell you this, a principle, well, two principles. Number one, nothing can be built unless something is destroyed. That's number one. You have to tear something down in order to build something. And then the other one is that, you know, you, can, you cannot build a good house on a bad foundation. So you have to take the time to put the foundation in right. And I can tell you that this church is being built on a solid foundation, amen. Living stones is, you know, there's nothing more inanimate than a stone. I mean, I always thought that's like, you know, living stones, you know. Uh, you know, the idea of living stones, but you know, what it really speaks about is diversity. You know, uh, in the building business, um, you know, I work with stone masons and I work with brick masons. And brick masons work with uniformity. All bricks are the same. You know, you just slap them up, boom, 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 you know, and you build it up. But a stonemason has to take the stones that they get dropped off in the driveway, and then he has to begin to picture what the wall is going to look like. And then he has to, you know, go and um, he'd say, you know, that's the one right there. And he fits it into the picture. So well, when, the, when it's done, even though it's diversity, you don't see all the individual stones, you see the wall. And it's made of living stones. And the, the temple that the Lord is building is not made with human hands or just human flesh alone. It's made with living stones. And God is the master builder. And God is the knitter of the net. And he knits things together according to his purposes. Amen? And I believe that God has tied a knot in our relationship. And we're here to continue to put another stone in the wall, so to speak. Amen? So I'm here just to, uh, it's an honor for me to be here. I want to thank God for each one of your lives and what expect, expect, expectancy you have entering into this new year. And I want to start off with a portion of scripture that Paul, and how many of you love the, when you're reading the Bible, when you, can, when you read a, a portion and it just preaches itself? You don't have to add anything to it. It's just so beautiful. It just, you don't have, there's nothing else you can even say, but we say it anyway, amen? But Paul, in writing to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, he says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Great posture, by the way. Mm -hmm. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, we talked about that already tonight, in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people. And this is beautiful language to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that's an uh, intimate, you know, that's, that, that speaks of intimacy. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now, here it is. To him who is what? Able to do what? Immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
Let me say that again, too. He is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can even think or imagine to all generations. And God does this out of his own, out of his own power. It's not just the work of our fervency or our good deeds alone. It's out of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God through Christ, amen, and the Holy Spirit working through us of people of faith, accomplishing what God has gone before us to accomplish, amen? amen. Church, listen, I want each one of you right now to take hold of this promise for yourself. Because I want to assure you tonight that no matter how big or unlikely something is, God can do it. Let's just say that God can do it. Hallelujah. One of the special names in the Old Testament for God is El Shaddai, which means God Almighty or God is able. And God refers to himself in El Shaddai as El Shaddai. We see, first see this in Genesis chapter 17, 1, when he appears to Abraham, who was then called Abram. And he identifies himself and he invites this man to walk before him faithfully and to be blameless. This name, God Almighty, God is able, is used many, many times throughout the scriptures and seems to sum up the real essence of who God is, who truly can do all things. So I just want you to just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to take a moment, right this minute here, and think about how God has intervened on your behalf during this past year. Just let that one thought come into your mind. What is the one thing where you can just get conjured up in your mind when you think of how God has intervened on your behalf in this past year? You should all have some kind of picture of what that intervention has accomplished in your life. The name God Almighty, God is able, is such a powerful name. And it's true that so many have experienced, you know, hardships this year. I know many people who have experienced hardships. Anybody here experienced any hardships this past year? Let me see your hands. That's not a rhetorical question, amen? <laughs> okay, we, 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 we have experienced some hardships during this, this past year. And it's true that, 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 however, regardless of them, the good news is that we're planning for a new year. We're not held back by our hardships. We're actually planning for a new year because we believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can think or imagine, amen? So we need to take a moment and, and, and thank God this very moment. And you wanna know why we can have that confidence? Because God still, even in the 21st century, he's going before us. Mm -hmm. And I want to assure you, I tell people, when people come, oh, Pastor Joe, you know, oh, you know, I'm worried about the future. I said, well, don't worry about the future. Because God's already there. Mm. He's already gone before us, amen? He holds the world in his hand, amen? He's the God of I am, the ever-present I am. God is with us. Nothing is going to stand against the building of his church, the building of his people, hallelujah. We're building this edifice here because God is going to fill it. You know, when we were, when we, you know, amen, I was asking Pastor Ron, I said, what are you going to do with this room after you move in there? And while we were in worship, I felt like the Lord was saying, this is going to be the overflow room. Mm. No, I'm serious. I'm not saying that just to hype you up. I mean, I'm serious. This is going to be the overflow room. Because God's going to do something that we can't even think or imagine. 
I mean, he's already doing it, but he's going to even do more of it. Amen? Hallelujah. God goes before us. And I want to assure you that whatever circumstances you, we may be facing in 2024, and I'm a strong believer in speaking the goodness and the blessing of God, but I think we're in for a little bit of a bumpy road coming up in 2024. I think there's things that are certain things that are going to happen on the global and the national scene that are going to cause some, us to, we've got to be ready to uh, be in the place where we're honoring God. We should be putting oil in our lamp right now, amen? And we should keep our wick, you know, trimmed so that our light is shining brightly in this new year. God is for us, amen? The Lord himself goes before us and you will, and will be with us. He will never leave you or never forsake you. This Moses said this, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. So as we get ready to enter 2024, we must embrace the new things that the Lord has in store, trusting in his guidance and his provision, even in unexpected places and ways. Mm. How many believe that God's going to provide all the money to pay off this mortgage? Yeah. He is. He's going to write, no. I don't know what the numbers are, the final number. What's $12 million to God? It's nothing, really, honestly. It's not. You know, he's going to provide. He didn't start this journey to leave us in the middle and the bank knocking on the door. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Amen. God is providing. Hallelujah. So as we get ready to enter this new year, we have to remember that he's going to, that provision is going to come in unexpected places. And forget the former things, Isaiah said, don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs up. You know, springing up is not like it's like a little trickle coming out of the ground. Springing up means it's springing up, something vibrant, something alive, like a fountain. And that fountain is going to be able to spring up and overflow, and it's going to wash and touch every single person in this house and in this community and in this, in this whole region and in the regions of the earth. Hallelujah. You know, my heart personally is filled with gratitude for all the incredible blessings, joys, and even tears that this last year has brought and how God has expanded our faith and capacity to continue giving, caring, and serving others. You know, all over the world, God is opening up new doors. We just finished building a building in Pakistan, you know, uh, a building here that would cost a million dollars. We built it there for $100,000. I didn't have, you know, two nickels when we started, you know. And uh, when I shared the vision about what we wanted to do there, like about a, two days later, a person came up and gave me a check for $50,000. I said, wow, we're halfway there, hallelujah. <laughs> and we built that building, and they had their first anniversary there just on Christmas Day. And it's filled with hundreds of people and wonderful young couple that's pastoring that church and are part of our team now, and, 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 and so many other things around the world. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond our wildest imagination. Eye has not seen, let's say this together, nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. How many here are loved by God? I mean, every hand or two hands should go up, amen? <laughs> We're all loved by God. So you've got to take this promise and you've got to take it and apply it to yourself that eye has not seen nor ear has heard nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for you. Take that and make it personally for you and for this church and for this community, hallelujah. You know, I don't know about you, but I was saved when I was a sinner. 
I didn't do anything to deserve my salvation. It's my, one of my favorite scriptures. The thing that jumped off the page when I first came to Christ was that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. God was loving me before I loved him. God was calling me into sonship while I was rejecting that love. Amen? You know, I was an old hippie, you know. I used to live in a teepee, you know. Um. <laughs> Happiness runs in a circular motion. You can have it all if you let yourself be. Right. <laughs> well, that was not the truth, amen? But when I read that Christ died for me while I was still a sinner, greater love has no man than this to lay down his life for his friend. And I want to tell you something. When Jesus told us to love our enemies, you know what he was talking about? Because that was me. That was you. We were enemies of the cross. We were enemies of Christ. And God knew what he was talking about when he said, love your enemies, because he loved us while we were still outside of his covenantal promises and his grace. I'm saved by grace. And the greatest gift that we receive before we receive faith or before we receive grace, I hope you agree with me, Pastor, is love. I received love before I understood faith and grace. God loved me into the kingdom of God. Amen. Then I understood his grace. And then that led to my faith in Christ. Amen. So my prayer for this new, this new year, can I have that water, please? Just look at a little a jet air in my mouth. Mm. Thank you very much. You said we could be relaxed, right? So. I am relaxed, I feel like I'm home, amen? Amen, I got a lot of houses that I, you know, that I visit, but you know, some of them feel like homes, you know, not just houses, amen? This is a home. So, this is a, what's that? Oh, thank you, amen. I told Pastor, my wife is on her way up here with my, with my six kids and my grandchildren and everything. We're moving in, amen? <laughs> you, you got all those offices there, you, know, you got to start filling them up, amen? <laughs> so, my prayer for this new year is that we'll be filled with the overflowing, with God's love, with his peace, and with his abundant blessings for each of us and all of your loved ones as well. That the spirit of the Lord will fill our hearts and our homes with strength and peace and wisdom and greater vision for the days ahead. Now, this past year has been filled with triumphs and many challenges. Some of us have witnessed the healing of relationships. Anybody here experienced a healing in a relationship, a vital relationship in their life? Amen. You know, the success of new ventures. Some of you have started businesses or, you know, started to move forth in a, in a vision that God gave you. The birthing of visions and dreams and the restoration of hope in the face of many adversities. And many of us have witnessed the resilience and the strength given by the power of God's grace to move us forward in spite of the many hardships and the difficulties and the battles that we've had to go through. Our battle belongs to the Lord. We're more than conquerors. We're victorious in Christ. Someone say amen. amen. So we need to let these victories be powerful reminders that God's plans and purposes for us are far greater than we can ever imagine. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the, the Pharisees got together. So you had the, the Sadducee group and you had the Pharisee group. And they were trying to set a trap for the Lord. And one of them said, an expert in the law tested him with this question. How many of you know they were always trying to test him and see if they could get him to say something wrong, you know? He said, teacher, 
which she really didn't mean. But anyway, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and it's the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Church, if we're going to take seriously the words of Jesus to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, then at some point we're going to be confronted with what this means for the mission. What this means for the mission of the church and the disciples of our Lord. As you and I are called and commissioned to live out this love God, love others way of life, how many of you know that's the easiest thing there is to do? That was a joke. <laughs> it's easy to love God. <laughs> it's not so easy always to love somebody else, amen? I, I saw you have a book or something that says, uh, crying your way to, a, no, laughing your way to a good marriage. No. <laughs> We've tried the crying, we might as well start laughing, amen? Now I have a great marriage, amen? I've been married 45 years, praise the Lord, amen. And I have six great kids and eight great, grand, well, not great grandkids, I have six great grandchildren, <laughs> but not great grandchildren, just grandchildren that are great, amen? <laughs> I have four sons and two daughters and one wife, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> we, got, we got, you know, well, I'll tell that story another time, amen? Mm. Mm. So, <laughs> I'm having some fun, amen? Mm. I really love being here. This is so great. I mean, I'm serious. This is really a lot of, this is great. Amen. I'm enjoying it, amen? And that's what this is supposed to be tonight, right? And there's joy in the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, we, so many Christians walk around looking like they got baptized in, you know, vinegar, you know? <laughs> it's okay to smile, Amen. So it's this, this, this love God and love others way of life, it gives witness to God's reign and his kingdom. Hmm? Think about it. God loves us so we can love God in return. It's not a half-hearted kind of love, but a wholehearted passion for Jesus. What I saw tonight in the worship and, and pastor is just this passion for Jesus. Amen? It's, it's you know, you know, the devils believe in God, but, they don't have a, but the devils don't have a passion for Jesus, amen? <laughs> we have a passion for Jesus. I sense passion in this house. God loves others, so we must love others. God is forgiving. Can somebody say amen? amen. So we must be forgiving. Our God, you know, you know that, you know, The church, I think, really needs to be more forgiving. In general. I'm not just saying, I'm not saying this church, I'm just saying church in general. You know, God forgives people that the church doesn't forgive them for. How many have ever fallen in their faith? Or had a momentary, you know, slip or sin or whatever you want to call it. I had a friend of mine who was a missionary in Haiti and he came back after five years in the mission field and when I picked him up at the airport, he said, Joe. He said, I'm like, you know, he came into the car, he was like, you know, he was like glowing, you know. He said, you know, I want you to know something. He said, I haven't sinned in five years. 
I said, brother, you better go back to Haiti. <laughs> I said, I have some bad news for you. He said, what? I said, you're sinning right now. Because <laughs> you're lying. <laughs> the Bible says if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. I'm not saying we should continue in sin so grace can abound. He said, well, right, well I made a few mistakes. I said, oh, okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> Our God is kind, so we can be kind. Hmm? Not a pick and choose kind of love, but an all embracing and an all encompassing kind of love. And how we live gives witness to what we believe is true about God. And I came up with this, I was praying one day, and God dropped these three words in my spirit. Love is truth. I built an entire thing about that. I branded it, went on GoDaddy, got the, you know, the, what do you call that, the domain, you know? And now all over the world, people are wearing these shirts, love is truth. Because it's a, it's a, it's a message that really is, is, resonates with the heart of God. Because God is love. And Jesus came as the truth, amen? And you can't separate God, I mean, love and truth. God, love is truth. And mission is not something we do for God. It's not something we initiate and then invite God to participate in. <laughs> Anybody ever tried that one? Ever, ever, ever done that little bunny trail? <laughs> no, mission is what God is already active and at work doing in our world right now. And the mission of God is something that we participate in on a daily basis as we go about our lives at home and at work and at play and on the weekend and every day in the community of God's people. Our witness together grounds us as a witness in the story and the practice of God's mission. Someone say amen. And when Jesus asked his disciples to follow him, when he asked them to lay down their old lives, and then sent them out to proclaim the kingdom, he was asking them to give witness to himself as the truth. And as we live out the mission in everyday life, as we make ourselves available, what does is, what is, uh, Apostle Tusi always say? You know, your greatest ability is your availability. Keith and I have been friends for over 35 years. We did a lot of clandestine things in the... <laughs> Smuggling Bibles into the Soviet Union, being in prison in the Soviet Union. Young people, you know what the Soviet Union is? Okay. You ever seen those shows where they interview these college students and they ask them, you know, what are the two countries that border the United States? And they can't tell you. Whatever happened to geography? If you don't understand geography, you don't understand history. But when you put the two of them together, that's called social studies. But that's different than history and that's different than geography. Amen? Mm. Mission, then, is giving witness to who Jesus is through the proclamation of what is revealed in Scripture and lived out in our daily actions, actions of loving God and loving others. Mission takes place in the everyday and in ordinary ways. It's local, this is for you, and it's global. It's local and it's global. It involves our worship and devotion, as well as our outreach and our love of neighbor. The church becomes the fountain, foundation and the anchor point for the continual retelling and the celebration of the gospel story. 
world, all of it becomes the context in which we live out the ongoing story of the gospel as participation in God's mission and ministry in the world. On Christmas Eve, I was speaking to our church in Pakistan. You know, I love Zoom, right? You know, you're there without the, uh, the 20 hour plane flight, you know? You're there, you know, it's there. And I shared the, the gospel, and 12 people gave to, came to Christ on Christmas Eve in our church, amen? Mm -hmm. I did my South American bucket tour list this, uh, this summer, you know. I was in Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela, oh, not Venezuela, Ecuador, Colombia, and Argentina, and then on the way out, we hit Mexico, okay? And we were in a maximum security prison in Cuenca, in Ecuador. And I shared the gospel there in a room this size filled with, like, serious criminals. And, uh, by the way, there wasn't a guard in the whole place. I'm like, hello. <laughs> And I had a team there. I had 15 of our young people and people from our church there. <laughs> Amen. I wasn't afraid. I mean, but I was just like, hmm, interesting. Hmm? Um, but listen, I shared a simple message that God's love for sinners. The simple gospel message that God loves sinners. And when I gave the opportunity for people to, to those men to come to Christ, 250 men ran to the altar. Ran to the altar. Tears. Tears. I don't want to, you know, just, you know, boogers coming out of their nose and tears and just crying and falling and, you know, and just receiving. And then, and then the next day we came, we gave every one of them a pair of like leggings and because it was freezing, you know, damp in that place. And then we gave them all love as truth shirts. There's 1,200 men incarcerated in that prison and 700 women and um, in two, two separate, you know, areas. But anyway. Um, all those men came to Christ. We left there, and five days later, the prisoners took over that prison and held 53 uh, of the prison guards hostage there for six days. No one was killed, thank God. But that message was there, and it resonated in those hearts of those men. And when you think that people, and by the way, they were a captive audience. <laughs> I, said, I, I said, I wish our churches were quite as captive as this, you know. But those men, they came sincerely they ran, I, you know, it was like, I'll never forget it. You know, just the, there are, I mean, every single man, like it was like, if this room, everybody in this room, nobody was saved. And everybody came tonight and gave their life to Christ. In one call to just come because Jesus loves sinners. Mm. We complicate it so many times, you know, but Jesus loves sinners. As we look forward, okay, I'm coming to an end here, okay? As we look forward to the new year ahead, Let's hold on to his grace and the spirit of faith, knowing that God is always with us. He's always with us. And will only lead us to higher and more upward calling and a greater fulfillment of the destiny that he has for each one of us that he's prepared for us to inherit. Amen? And in 2023, I believe we only saw a measure of those miracles and blessings. Pastor Ron, this is specifically for you. I think you've only seen a measure. And when I look what you're doing, I mean, it's a big measure, but it's only a measure. This is not some exercise in, you know, grandiose, you know, no, look, you're building this because the people are coming. They're coming. They're gonna be running into this house. Hmm. I'll say it again, this is the overflow room. Remember what I'm telling you. 
I'm prophesying this. This is the overflow room. Don't chop it all up yet. You're gonna, this room is going to be used for the overflow, the people that are coming. So people are going to be, you know, you know, it, it, I, you know the, pol- the police are going to have to come and help go- uh, direct the traffic. I'm serious. I mean, this is what's going to happen in this place. Amen? He's going to fulfill. You've seen a measure of those miracles and that blessing. But I want to say this. 2024 is the year of supernatural overflow. Of supernatural overflow. And a greater manifestation of the God of more. He can do more. He can do exceedingly abundantly more. He can bring divine restore. He's going to restore what the locusts have eaten. He's going to go out and restore the people's lives who've been taken captive by the power of the enemy, and he's going to deliver them, and he's going to set them free. And as the world is looking for answers and standing in denial of the truth, the love of God is going to penetrate these, this whole area and this whole country, and people are going to come, and the revival that, Mom, you've been praying for for years is going to come to pass. Hallelujah. I love seeing faithful saints. Ron, your mom is blessed. And she embraced me and said hello to me. I was like, wow, here's a real woman of God. You know, I was first a, a, a believer. We had a, a, a woman like your mom in, in our church. And she said, Brother Kelly. And, she, and we had like a cloakroom in the back, you know. Brother Kelly, she said, would you hand me my sword? <laughs> I mean, I was, in, I was in Christ like three, you know, three weeks. You know. <laughs> This lady has a sword. (laughs) She's 82 years old. She has a sword. (laughs) And she keeps it in the coat closet, you know. (laughs) You all know what the sword is, right? I didn't know what it was at the time. But mom, you've been holding the sword for a long time. And you've been standing in faith for a long time. And the things that you've been waiting for are coming to pass. Amen. Mm. Wow. Amen. You got a little more? You got a few more minutes? Okay. You know, when you're preaching, you got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. <laughs> when to walk away and when to run. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look, this, they said we're going to have some fun tonight. Amen. This is family. Amen. You know, wherever I go, I mean, you know, people are calling me dad. I've got people calling me, I've got guys that are 70 years old calling me daddy. I said, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> How about grandpa or, you know, or, you know. It's hard for me to have somebody 70 years old call me daddy, you know. <laughs> so here's the sort of wrap up. In Timothy, it says, in this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. It's Paul and a teacher. This is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame. Because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he's able to guard that which I have entrusted him until this day. I want you to know that God is able 
to guard what you entrust to him. And I'm at the end of this meeting tonight, we're going to come and we're going to entrust something to God. Because he's able. Maybe it's your life. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's the transition from your career to where you're going now. Maybe it's your family that you need to entrust to him. Or your service to him. Your spiritual walk. Whatever it may be. Surrender yourself. Body, soul, mind, and spirit to God. And to his will for your life. And in doing so, you'll find the ultimate fulfillment and the greatest security that you'll ever find in your life. We are never more secure than being directly and fully surrendered to the Lord's will and plans for us and our loved ones. God is able, let's say this, to guard you and to keep you walking with him, to give you meaningful service opportunities for him. And no devil is strong enough to separate you from God and Christ and the perfect plan that he has for your life. Whatever you commit in faith to God, he is able to guard. Let's shout hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, Paul was in the habit of asking God to bestow spiritual blessings and extraordinary value on the believers under his care. That's what I love about Pastor Ron. You know, Pastor Ron's like, you know, maybe I'm going to cross over here, but, you know, he's like the Nick Saban in the spirit, you know. <laughs> I know that you've got to be careful in this whole football world. I mean, you know, but, but like I see like Pastor Ron, he's like, he's like this great coach. And he's built this legacy of understanding how to train and develop people to fulfill their calling. His greatest joy that I see is seeing this, seeing you develop, seeing you be released. You know, the, the purpose of the five-fold ministry is not about having a title. It's about having a function. You know, everybody, I, got, I know guys that have a church of four people and guys an apostle. Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's important to you, I guess, you know. Look, you know, it's not about having a title. I believe people that are seeking for titles are seeking for an entitlement mentality. Mm -hmm. But people who are functioning in their calling have a service mentality. We're called to serve and equip the saints of God to do the what? The work of the ministry. And by the way, Jesus gave everybody a portion of grace. That wasn't given by Pastor Ron. It wasn't given by me or, or Apostle Keith. That was given by Christ. Say, I have a portion it's been given to me, and it can increase. And it was given to me by my Father. Hallelujah. Amen. So for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we never stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the, all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every good way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that, he might have, so that we might have great endurance and patience. Hallelujah. 
look, go home and take this book of Ephesians and eat it and just digest it. It's so rich. It's so full of so, under, so much there to just to grasp and grapple with. Hallelujah. He used this unique term to express God's superabundant. I like that, superabundant. You know, my wife has a hearing problem, you know. And um, as a matter of fact, if she takes her hearings out, hearing aids out, she can't hear me. And sometimes she does that on purpose, amen? Uh, <laughs> okay, honey, click, click. <laughs> and I had to learn how to adapt to that, amen? Not to her turning me off, but I mean, but, you know, her not being able to hear. And I used to come up the stairs and she couldn't hear me, you know, and I'd walk in and I'd tap her on the shoulder. <gasps> I, I, I said, all right, well, I don't want you to have a heart attack. So I, I, had to, like, I had to get before the Lord and figure out how to, what I was going to do. So God gave me a unique strategy. When I'm, you know, I'm going to go up the stairs, I just keep blinking the lights off and on until I hear her say, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Super abundant ability to work beyond our prayers, thoughts, and even dreams. And the English translations of that term include immeasurably more, exceedingly abundantly above all, infinitely more, above and beyond, and far more abundantly beyond all. Wow. Well, let's just put our, our you know, our rejoice hat on and, and let's, let's just do a little bit of dreaming right now and close your eyes. And, you know, this isn't, you know, some exercise in some Eastern mysticism, but, you know, take and, 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 and meditate upon what that really means. That you can do exceedingly abundantly beyond measure anything we can even think or imagine according to what his kind intention toward us. What do you believe in God for? What are you willing to entrust to him? You know, if I want to entrust something to Pastor Ron, I have to give it to him. Hmm. Believing that what I'm entrusting into his hands, he's going to guard over. So when I come back to get it back, it's still there. Amen? The stewardship of entrustment. God is sovereign. Someone say amen. It means that he has the wisdom and the power and the the authority to do whatever it is that he's going to do. Amen? He's also, uh, you know, omnipotent, which means that he possesses all power over all things at all times. And he manifests his mighty power in many, many ways. We see it in his creation. We see it in his miracles. And in Ephesus, God expresses omnipotence by bringing together what? Jews and Gentiles into one family. A united home for his spirit to dwell through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul ends by expressing not only the sovereignty and the powerful act, but he also, in response to prayer, when we see him act that way, it radiates his majesty. The Lord can do more than we think or imagine. He receives the glory, hallelujah. Our narrow, sometimes narrow imaginations and feeble prayers cannot limit the richness of God's gifts. As we recognize all that God has done for us and in us, his church, we can only stand in awe of his goodness 
and the glory for this coming year. I want to bless you all. Amen? Now, if you've ever been blown away by an answer to prayer, then you've sampled the meaning of Ephesians 2.20, I mean, no, 3.20. Paul was teaching his readers what he himself already knew, that it's impossible, listen to me, to petition God for too much. Hmm. Ron, that's a word from the Lord again for you and your wife and this, and this family and this, this church. It's impossible to petition God for too much because he, his capacity to give exceeds our ability to ask or imagine. Hmm. You want me to say it again? Okay, I will. <laughs> Paul was teaching his readers what he himself already knew, that it's impossible to petition God for too much because his capacity to give far exceeds the believer's ability to ask or imagine. Hmm. Come on. Hmm. You know, our thoughts many times surpass our words. Hmm. But God's power to act surpasses it all. Mm -hmm. And the apostle reiterated what the psalmist had proclaimed, great is our God and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. And no matter how extravagant we make our request, God in his matchless power can give us more than we ask and far beyond what our finite minds can imagine. God is able. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God is able. Come on, let's stand up. Hallelujah. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what we can think or imagine according to his kind intention toward us. His children. His children. God bless you. Amen.